Welcome to the Authentic Life Podcast. My name is Satwa and I'm here to help you seek, speak, and live your truth daily. This podcast is for the sincere spiritual seeker who is ready to explore the deeper, sometimes uncomfortable truths of their psyche and spirit without the spiritual bypassing. I'm here to empower you with the psychological teachings and spiritual insights to help you live your most authentic life. Warning, you will get triggered, you will feel uncomfortable, you will be challenged, and that, Seeker, is where your journey begins. I'm so excited to share this space with you. Thanks for pressing play. Let's begin. Hi, Seeker. Welcome back. I'm back. After a year-long break, I am so excited to be back here. Um, By the way, that break was much needed for my mental health. I was off social media for eight months, and let me tell you, it was life-changing, and it's definitely going to be one of the things that I'm going to be talking about. Um, But anyway, I'm excited that you're here. I'm excited to be here, and um, if you're new to the community, welcome. If you've been with me for a while, welcome back, and thanks so much for sticking around. I have to quote Dr. Dre here because I'm a total millennial nerd, but since the last time you heard from me, I lost some friends, (laughs) like actually, so I appreciate you following up with me and we are going on a journey, my friends. So buckle up, buckle the F up because we're doing things a little differently around here. And I think this new direction will be obvious as we move through today's topic, which is dissociated spirituality. And what better topic to pick up right where we left off? Because right before I took my break, I started the hashtag truth over trends to capture the essence of wholesome spirituality, which is what seeking with sattva is all about. Sattva in Sanskrit means purity and seeking with sattva reminds us, at least it reminds me, to stay wholesome in our search for truth as opposed to having a fragmented consciousness. And as we'll explore in this episode, a fragmented consciousness is the result of dissociation. So this topic is important and especially relevant to right now because we're evolving. I mean, we've always been evolving, right? But it it seems like right now we're at this very precarious place where a part of our species is evolving really fast, um, like in this, in um, technologically, intellectually. But um, at the same time, we are also kind of moving backwards, um, where, you know, we're still having conversations about abortion rights. So, Whether we are evolving consciously or unconsciously um, is up to us. So it's more important than ever to be alert and aware and uh, conscious of our spiritual journey. 
And what I'm interested in doing in this podcast as well as moving forward is inviting critical discourse for us to unpack um, the various um, practices and teachings um, and frameworks and philosophies and what have you that are guiding us on our path to to make sure that um, you know the value systems underlying these practices and these teachings really align with our purpose on this journey. I believe that um, we are all on the spiritual journey. And although our purpose for being here might be different, we're all seeking something, right? So, so we need to be critical in examining whether or not um, the practices that we're using in our truth-seeking really serve us on our journey or, and, and guide us um, towards integration, connection, love, um, uh, whatever inner peace, freedom that we're seeking, um, you know, instead of leading us further to, into confusion, into suffering, into darkness. And it goes without saying that dissociated spirituality does not serve anyone in the long run. Dissociation perpetuates harm not only to ourselves but also to others. It, it hurts our relationships with um, each other and with the divine when we are dissociated. Another reason why this topic is so important is because dissociation is relevant to every seeker's journey. At some point or another, we have all experienced dissociation. This is a very um, uh, obvious response. Um, for example, when we're spiritual bypassing, when we're, we're when we're spiritual bypassing, it's because we are dissociated. So it's very common, right? Spiritual bypassing happens to every single seeker. It's just the way it is. You you have to go through it. Um, and that's because dissociation has a transcendental quality to it. And as you know, in order to seek higher truths, higher spiritual truths, um, it requires us to go beyond the mind, beyond the world of form. And we do this through meditation, right? Meditation serves as that access point to transcend this 3D reality and enter into the metaphysical realm. So transcendence in and of itself is it, it's an important practice and in fact it's necessary. But the problem and where we get tripped up is when we don't come back, when we get stuck in the metaphysical, which can happen. It's it's happened to me, and so I know that it can happen. And that's the point where we dissociate, when we get stuck in the metaphysical. So there's this fine line, right? There's this point where transcendence becomes dissociation. And I'm interested in diving deep into what that point is and the practices and teachings that lead us astray because as you learn we're all vulnerable to this um, and as you'll also learn some of us are more vulnerable to it than others 
So I always like to start with a central question or two to kind of guide the discussion. So the central question here is, how do I transcend? How do we transcend the mind, the body, the ego without dissociating? And I also get asked this a lot too, which I think is relevant to this. I get asked, how do I deepen my relationship with spirituality without falling into this trap of dissociation? Because it is a trap. It's a trap of the mind. It's a trap of the ego. And it's also a trap of many New Age practices and teachings that exploit this tendency of the mind to dissociate. And I'll just say really quickly here that I don't think anyone's brand of spirituality is wrong, right? Spirituality is such a personal experience, so how can it be wrong? So when I say new age practices and teachings, I'm not really critiquing like the practices or teachings themselves, even though they can be problematic. But what I'm really concerned about critically examining is the industry itself. Because I think the industry, like many industries that are founded on capitalism, are incredibly exploitative and and uh, will go into some critical discourse around that. So in this episode, we're going to talk about the six subtle differences between transcendence and dissociation. Then we're going to talk about the psycho-spiritual mechanisms of dissociation and how it relates to trauma. Then we're going to talk about how the new age industry reinforces dissociation in order to capitalize on our trauma and other vulnerabilities. And I'll share three points and some examples. And lastly, we're going to discuss some ways that we can resist these influences and move towards a more embodied and integrated spiritual practice. So without further ado, let's get into it. The six subtle differences between transcendence and dissociation. So first, let's have a working definition of both transcendence and dissociation so we know what we're working with. So what is transcendence? The dictionary definition of transcendence is, I love looking at the dictionary definition of things, transcendence, exceeding, surpassing, or going beyond the usual limits of space, time, experience, and knowledge. So it's basically having this out-of-body experience going beyond mind. Dissociation, there's two definitions. The first one is a chemical term where dissociation is the process by which a molecule breaks up or splits off into smaller particles such as what happens when acid dissolves in water. In psychology, We describe dissociation as a coping response or a defense mechanism against some stressor or unpleasant feeling or trauma. So just like acid splits up into smaller particles when it dissolves in water, our self, our personhood, gets fragmented when we dissociate. 
So right away, the first subtle difference between transcendence and dissociation is that in transcendental states, you're going beyond space, time, and self, whereas in dissociative states, you're splitting off from space, time, and self. Which brings us to number two. If we think about this in terms of energy, in transcendental states, your consciousness expands, whereas in dissociated states, your consciousness disbands or disperses. When we're in this dissociated space, which is point number three, we have escaped or denied one or more parts of our being, whereas in a transcendental state, you are integrated in the various dimensions of your being. Because in transcendental states, and this is number four, in transcendental states, we're fully conscious. We are alert. We are aware of our experience. We're having a direct experience with reality because we're in this meditative state. Um, even if this reality is in the metaphysical realm, right? So my Zen teacher describes this as like we're a cat next to a mouse hole. So very relaxed in the body, but very, very alert and aware in the mind. Whereas in dissociation, because we are fragmented and split off, right? So uh, one one or more parts of ourselves is being split off, Um our psyche or a part of our psyche remains unconscious. And as you'll learn in the next section, um, dissociation is a very much an unconscious sort of mechanism of the psyche. And because of this, which brings us to now number five, transcendence can be a very enriching experience and practice that can really deepen our relationship with the divine Whereas dissociation can impair our relationship with the divine. And lastly, number six, transcendence has an um, ephemeral quality to it because it's done in this intentional way and we are conscious when we've transcended our experience our experiences around transcendence tend to be short shorter lived. Um, when we transcend, we come back right? In dissociation, we don't come back. Um, one or at least one or one or more parts of ourselves don't come back. So that's why dissociation has this enduring quality to it, which can last years. And that's exactly what makes it so insidious and so harmful, because dissociation can persist outside of our conscious awareness of it. And this leads us into the next talking point for today, which is about the psycho-spiritual mechanisms of dissociation and how it relates to trauma. So in psychology, as I mentioned earlier, dissociation is a defense mechanism towards something that the ego finds potentially threatening. And like all defense mechanisms, it wants to protect us from feeling this unsettling, threatening experience. The defense mechanism of dissociation can kick in 
at varying degrees and intensities. It can range from daydreaming, right? We're a little bit dissociated when we're daydreaming, and this can be triggered by, for example, boredom, to more extreme cases where we're completely severed off from our identity or our personhood, and this can be triggered by trauma. So dissociation has varying degrees of intensity. Interestingly, um, the majority of people who present with dissociative identity disorder, also known as DID, have a history of trauma, particularly around childhood sexual abuse. And DID um, can be thought of as having like multiple personalities and identities and Obviously, it's a lot more nuanced than that, and I'm not an expert in DID, so I can't really comment too much on it. But I just want to point out that within these more extreme cases of dissociation, trauma tends to be a leading factor because 90% of people who present with DID have this history of um, childhood trauma around sexual and emotional and physical abuse. And that's not to say that people who have had childhood sexual or emotional physical abuse are going to develop DID, Um, but trauma does tend to play an important role um, in dissociation. Now, here I just want to point out that within dissociation, there's also depersonalization, which is a detachment from the self that specifically relates to detaching from the identity. And I'm mentioning this because we're going to circle back to it. So just put a pin in that for a moment, that depersonalization is a form of dissociation where we're detaching from the identity, from our identity. So let's explore the spiritual mechanisms of dissociation. And we're going to defer to a beautiful, beautiful theory um, that comes from ancient Hindu philosophies, the theory of samskaras, which describe our... Um, well, first of all, they, they kind of frame um, our, the basis for understanding karma. But in this context, um, we're going to talk about samskaras as they describe our first interactions with the environment. So our very first interactions with the environment um, get uh, imprinted on our energy body or our psyche as impressions, Right, so impressions are these samskaras, and and the impressions can be also carried over from past lives. And the significance of samskaras is that these early impressions form the basis of our patterns patterns within our identity, our habits, our dispositions, our preferences, which of course influence the way that we interpret the world and our experience in the world, which in turn influences our behaviors and how we show up in the world. And this is an ongoing process. So we are constantly creating new impressions and new samskaras as we move through life. So how does this relate to dissociation? Well, 
if in our early childhood experiences we formed a pattern around dissociating, whether that's because um, we were self-soothing our boredom or because we were coping with trauma, then we are probably more likely to seek our dissociative experiences or seek out dissociative experiences later on in life whenever this impression or this samskara gets triggered. So dissociation then becomes kind of a default mode, a habitual way of coping or responding to unpleasant events, emotions, or triggers. And so already we can guess that those who have this habit or tendency or pattern of dissociating are probably more likely to seek out dissociative experiences. So it makes them more vulnerable to this dissociation. And I wonder, you know, this is a big question mark because this is um, something that, you know, would I'd have to research um, to, to make this claim. And as far as I know, like there really isn't much research on it, but I just wonder whether or not spiritual seekers who have this pattern of dissociation um, or are likely to dissociate have a history of trauma. I just, I wonder that. So now we're going to segue into our next discussion point about the three ways that the New Age industry reinforces dissociation in order to capitalize on our trauma and other vulnerabilities. So one popular way that it does this is by appealing to our spiritual ego, which leads to spiritual bypassing, because as I said, bypassing is a dissociated state. So the New Age industry appeals to our spiritual ego how? Well, The most obvious way is by fetishizing spirituality, specifically fetishizing the transcendental brand, quote-unquote brand, of spirituality. So if you've noticed in a lot of New Age practices and teachings and kind of the entire, like, um, purpose right, uh, of, of these practices tends to be geared towards this, this transcendence of the ego. And the narrative around that is that transcending the ego is sort of like the, the end-all be-all. It's the p- pinnacle of our spiritual experience, right? When we've transcended um, the ego, uh, we have or the, the ego, the mind, the body, we have arrived, right? So like there's a lot of momentum taking us towards this transcendental aspect of our journey. And you have to wonder why, because transcendent, trans, transcendence, you know, as I said, it's an important part of spirituality. It helps us go beyond the mind. But guess what? It is absolutely not the end-all be-all of spirituality. It is absolutely not what the spiritual journey is all about. 
and it is absolutely not, um, you know, the, uh, the most important aspect of spirituality. But the New Age industry makes it seem really important because it's sexy, right? It's enticing. It offers us something um, that we don't normally experience, an escape, a form of relief, a chance to defy the laws of space and time and be supernatural, which is all great and well. Nothing inherently wrong with that. But again, the problem is that it frames the narrative in such a way that makes us believe that once we have transcended, then that's kind of it. Like you're you're this enlightened being and you have arrived. And in fact, the opposite is true. Once you transcend, the journey just begins. And you can see why that narrative might appeal to our spiritual ego. Because it inflates our sense of self, right? It makes us feel like we have um, the superpower of a heightened perspective, which just feeds into this sense of superiority that the spiritual ego craves, It's like the spiritual ego's wet dream to feel superior. And of course, once we are in this trap of superiority, then it leads to separation, disconnection, instead of what I'm assuming we all want on this path, which is connection and integration. So appealing to our spiritual ego by fetishizing the transcendental brand of spirituality is one way that the New Age industry is incredibly exploitative. Another way it does this is through presenting spiritual untruths. Spiritual untruths are basically, how can I put this mildly? They are uh, watered down (laughs) versions. I was going to say bullshit. But um, we will go with watered down, watered down versions of ancient wisdom that has been passed down, you know, through centuries um, by uh, mystics and sages and great spiritual masters like Buddha. So what the industry just loves to do is borrow elements from these wisdoms from these ancient teachings um, and kind of cherry pick to make it palatable and accessible to a Western white audience, which of course strips it of its essence. So by the time it reaches us and our consciousness, the meaning of the wisdom, the teaching has been completely lost in translation and we are no longer being guided by the the value systems of the of that wisdom we're being guided by the value systems of whoever has translated and interpreted these teachings and two examples that come to mind i'm going to use some concrete examples here these are like the most popular spiritual teachings that are so so central to our truth seeking I'm sure you're familiar with them because they are central to Buddhism. The teaching of non-attachment and non-identification. 
So non-attachment is this idea that in order to be free from suffering, we must overcome our attachments and our desire for things, including our attachment to our identity, which we overcome through the practice of non-identification. In New Age circles, the teachings of non-attachment and non-identification get misconstrued to represent um, detachment and disidentification. So instead of practicing non-attachment, we're practicing detachment. Instead of practicing non-identification, we're practicing disidentification. And you can guess which one leads to dissociative state, dissociative consciousness. And for the interest of time, I mean, I know I just like kind of, you know, just dropped the bomb on you there. Like it's such a, it's such an in-depth topic. And for the interest of time, unfortunately, I can't really delve too deep into it right now because they're just such huge, huge topics, too much to go into. But I just wanted to give you those examples because they are perhaps the most um, misleading spiritual untruths out there that are perpetuated by New Age teachings. Um, I will just say that you don't transcend the identity by detaching from it. You transcend the identity by getting as close to the identity as possible until the boundaries around the identity dissolve. I'm going to say that again. You don't transcend the identity by detaching from the identity you transcend the identity by getting as close to the identity as possible until the boundaries around the identity dissolve. And that's the teaching of non-attachment and non-identification that gets completely missed. Because when we detach from the identity, when we disidentify, this goes back to that point of the, uh, that, that um, topic that I touched on earlier, depersonalization, right? So we actually go into dissociation and depersonalization. So just be careful, right? That, and it doesn't, it seems trivial, like non-attachment, detachment, what's the difference? Well, it's a subtle yet incredibly important difference. So be careful when you are practicing non-attachment and non-identification. Be careful so that you're not accidentally detaching and depersonalizing from yourself and reality. Because that's not, that's not what the Buddha had in mind when he came up with these beautiful ideas. And granted, I'm, I'm still a student of these ideas, um, but I have studied and experienced enough to know that specifically around non-attachment and non-identification, um, you know, it, it can get really uh, confusing for the mind because these are such like high-level concepts. Um, so lastly, the New Age industry reinforces dissociation through dissociative practices which is not to say that all practices that are new age are dissociative, um, but some very core practices certainly are. 
And there are a few examples of this. And again, for the interest of time, I'm not going to get too deep into it because, um, you know, these are just points that I cover again and again in my content, whether that's on Instagram or my blog or my email. Um, so these are things that I'm going to I'm going to rehash them in multiple ways through time. So don't don't worry if I'm skipping over these really core concepts kind of quickly. I just want to give you um, an example so that you know you can conceptualize it. So one example of a new age practice that is dissociative is affirmations. So affirmations, listen, affirmations can be great if they're practiced correctly. There's a wholesome way to practice affirmations and there's a very dissociative way and a fragmented way to practice um, uh, affirmations. And I found that the way that affirmations are practiced in New Age circles, particularly like LOA and manifestation, they can be very dissociative. Um, you know, especially if you are affirming something that is not your truth. And they encourage this, like the, 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 the LOA manifestation gurus and teachers, like they encourage you to affirm something that is not your truth. And I can't explain to you how damaging and harmful that is. Like when someone says, I am worthy, but does not believe they are worthy or doesn't feel worth in their body, in that moment, that person is dissociating because they're essentially rejecting a part of the part of themselves that feels unworthy, which further fragments the psyche. The same with saying like, I have abundance of money in my bank account, if you don't have that money there, then you're just dissociating, right? You're falling into this magical thinking and this self-hypnosis that completely like severs you off from yourself because yourself is part of this reality, right? So to, to, to deny reality is very, very harmful. So a better affirmation would be, um, I don't know, I honor the part of me that feels unworthy or um, I'm learning to accept uh, my financial um, position, right? So, so something that's true, something that's true to you um, and saying after the affirmation, that's my truth can really solidify whether or not that feels right in your body. So this is an embodied practice. Um, so Affirmations are tricky, right? In and of themselves, they're not wrong, but they're actually quite advanced. Um, and the way that they are practiced can certainly lead us astray if we're not guided by a wholesome framework. And um, just side note, I actually wrote an entire ebook about this, particularly around self-love, um, where you know through through critical discourse, I'm demystifying and debunking. Um, the new age self-love movement because of the way that it has politicized self-love to perpetuate a hate economy. Whoa, I said a lot there. So it's a great discussion point. I hope you'll read it. I will be releasing it in a couple of weeks, so stay tuned for that. So as we reach the end of our time together today, um, let's quickly talk about how we can prevent dissociation from happening. 
And I hope that um, by understanding the difference between transcendence and dissociation, um, you know, you will be uh, better guided moving forward in your practice. Um, so if you, one thing I, I'll say, this is just like my unsolicited spiritual advice, um, but if you know or think that you have this tendency or habit to dissociate or you might be vulnerable to it, I would suggest, and again, just my advice, don't have to take it, but I would suggest to avoid transcendental type practices um, that take you out of your body, like TM or hypnosis, astral traveling, you know, anything that kind of takes you out of the present moment and out of the body, um, I would avoid. And I would advise you to seek out practices that are more embodied. My other suggestion to you is to use self-inquiry to really understand how the practice is interacting with your mind and your body and your, your soul. And a good inquiry to ask after you've done a practice is, does this practice, this mantra, this um, affirmation, this meditation, this experience, does it help me get closer to the present moment or does it take me out of the present moment? So simple, yet such an effective inquiry. You can also ask, does it bring me into my body or does it take me out of my body? And how do I feel after doing this practice? Do I feel integrated, whole, connected to myself, to others? Or do I feel split and disconnected and separate and superior? And be really honest about it without judgment. And that will help you go a very, very long way. And also inquire into what attracts you to a certain practice. What does it help you achieve? What purpose does it fulfill for you? What need does it satisfy? And why you chose this practice? Why your consciousness picked this practice now? Why now? Inquire, inquire, inquire. Self-inquiry is so central to our spiritual practice, which is why I've made it my specialty in my teaching. Because when you're really honest with yourself, it's hard to dissociate, man. It's hard to be outside of your body. And, you know, it's a Zen practice. So everything is always in the here and now, which is why I love it so much. So... Staying in your body, integrating with the present moment, uh, moving away from practices that take you out of your body in the present moment, self-inquiry, you know, these are the, the most straightforward ways that um, can help you move towards a more embodied versus dissociated practice. So with that, let's finish our time together with a small, small embodied practice. So if it's accessible to you, just take a deep breath. Close your eyes right now if it's accessible. 
and just feel how that breath landed and settled into your body and grounded you in this moment. Feel the completeness of the breath and all the subsequent breaths. The aliveness in your body that is available to you through the breath in this moment. And know that this aliveness is always there for you. You can always come back to your presence. And knowing that your pure presence is enough. Your experience of reality exactly as it is in this moment is enough. If only for this moment. Let it be enough. And let this enoughness remind you of the truth and beauty and freedom that is available to you right now, right here, right in this moment. Thank you. And that pretty much does it for this episode, my friends. Thank you so much for your presence and for pressing play today. I know you have a lot of competing demands for your precious time and attention, so I'm very grateful that you chose to hang out with me. And, you know, I would love to hear your thoughts um, around this, around dissociated spirituality. I'm always interested in hearing other seekers' stories. So um, I want to know, you know, how did this um, land for you? I want to know your experience with dissociation. Um, what, What practices have reinforced dissociation for you? How did that impact you? How did it affect your spiritual health? And um, what practices have um, have moved you into a more embodied um, experience? Um, if you share any practices with me that I could pass on to the community, that would be great. So just shoot me an email. You can find my email in the show notes. I would love to hear from you. So with that, I'm sending you my love and my blessings for an embodied and integrated and joyful journey ahead. Make sure that you are subscribed to my podcast so you don't miss new episodes. I release them, you know, once, twice a month. Um, And I will be um, uh, so grateful if you shared this episode on social media and tagged me at Seeking with Sattva. And feel free to pass this along to a fellow seeker that you think would benefit. Till next time. 
Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Authentic Life Podcast. If you liked this episode, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag me at Seeking with Satwa on Instagram. Seeking with Satwa is an international spiritual development brand that has helped thousands of seekers heal, grow, and consciously evolve on their journeys. To learn more about my work, to sign up for my authentic life newsletter, to read my blog posts, or to work with me one-on-one, visit my website at seekingwithsatwa.com. Stay tuned for some exciting new updates, offerings, and guest speakers coming your way soon. Until next time, keep going, keep growing, keep seeking and speaking your truth so that you can finally live an authentic life. Thank you.